episode number 134 of the Tartan Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, Kyle Gregg. So Tom, you're, uh, you've got the Eiffel Tower in the background there, you, you've got a fine looking view from your, your house there, eh? or is that just... Yeah, a- it's beautiful. Yeah, if only this is my real bag, I know it's a zoom bag going to Paris. I, uh, I can actually, it's funny, the Eiffel Tower... It has like a light, it goes around like a, you know, like a, it has a, a light shining at the top of it goes around and it looks like the bat signal, you know, you can see this light going around the, the city, like almost like it's Gotham. And I, from here I can see every now and again, I just see this light circle around above the, above the garden out there. So it's cool. Oh, How are you doing this week, Kyle? Oh, do you know what? You've, you've, just, no got, you, you've just caught me off guard. Uh, I'm, I'm just back from building an igloo for the last few hours in my, my, my garden. Um, now, my garden's not that big, but I tell you what, the amount of snow needed for an igloo it just shows you how much snow is falling in Afford right now. But, you know, me and the big man and, and Debbie were, were out, you know, grafting away, building a, an igloo in the back garden. And uh, and I've just had a look while uh, you were rebooting your, your laptop there. And there's, uh, you know, the half the roof's fallen down. So I'm going to have to <laughs> <try> that. <laughs> how uh, big is it? How, so how big is it and how long did it take you to build? Oh, it's about... That, you know, that huge, you could get a boot. I, I would say, you know, let's talk about... Um, How many people could sit inside it? Tent size, maybe a three-man oh, wow. three tent, maybe? Three wow, that's, tent. that's impressive, mate. It's a big... Structurally not very sound, but the concept's impressive. I'm, I'm, I've never... There's one thing on my bucket list in the winter would be to make an igloo, and I've succeeded today. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> You know, as Logan's like, you know, shivering away in, in, in the garden, you know, sitting on the snow and <laughs> crying. No, he was fine. He was absolutely fine. He was loving it, you know. Um, you know, he's walking as well now. You're walking about. He's awesome. He's almost two years old and he's just started walking. Well, he's a year and a half. But um, so, you know, it's just the start of great things, Tom. Eh? Very good. And actually, on the so I think a lot of Scotland will appreciate where you are at the moment in terms of this snow that we're getting and you've been getting a lot of snowy miles in i've seen a few uh a few uh instagram shots and a few a few uh strava type things of you uh, selfies out in the out in the snow not beating around the bush the only reason you're saying a few snowy miles is the pace that i'm running them at they're so bloody slow rubbish i, I was just saying i was sending kyle flying he's how he's flying at the minute up and I'm, down I'm the not, surrey like an animal oh i'm trying my best i was quite impressed by that run uh we went shopping to, uh, I think this is legal. In fact, it is legal. Uh, you know, we went shopping to Huntley, uh, did our essential shopping. And then on the way back, Debbie just, you know, it was like a helicopter drop, you know, uh, you know, from from point to point. So she dropped me off, you know, threw me out the car. Uh, and then off I went, you know, point to point, up and over the Suey, back down into Afford, the Vale, the, the vale Afford. And, uh, and I was pretty happy. But I got to like, because the Sui is a big hill, I got to the top going, right, I want my whole my whole run. I think it was a 15 mile, 14, 15 mile run. Uh, I wanted okay. to be under six minute miles. But the time I got up to the top of Sui, I thought, God, I'm going to have to keep going until I get <laughs> under the av- overall average um, sub six minute miles. It's not a very good, it's not a healthy way to, you know, to train, but it was a challenge nonetheless. And I was quite happy with that. And then I followed it, and then I followed it by uh, doing my probably my most um, 
realistic city limits run around Afford. I v- saw that. Yeah, that was cool. I was uh, so I'm, you know I'm getting right into the Strava, the Strava stuff, Tom. I've been uh, I've been quite active <laughs> in my training recently. Uh, and then what else have I done so far? The other thing I did. Now, I'm, I don't know if listeners have, have done... It seems to be a bit of a craze at the moment. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just me thinking it's a craze. Um, is, is jumping in, you know, the river and, 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 you know, really cold water and, you know, your, your beach nearby or maybe even a wheelie bin if you live in the urban areas uh, or in a, in a lock. So I, I ran... I didn't run. I, I, I stuck my... Probably I got to about three quarters of the way in the River Dawn just for bands, you know, just as another wee challenge for myself. And what a feeling you get from it, you know? It was brilliant. Yeah, I was buzzing, but, you know, I was freezing to death. I was freezing my arse off, mind you, but uh, it was it was good. So I'm, I'm keeping myself busy, keeping myself entertained and, you know, hopefully keeping other people entertained as well. Uh, <laughs> so it's been it's been good. It's been a good a good week since we last spoke, Tom. Very good. That's a, that is a good week. That's a, That's interesting. That's, that's, Pretty. That's like rocky style training, you know. Miles in the snow, jumping in rivers for a for a bit of an ice bath. That's that's uh, that's pretty you know, cool. Spending spending your night in an igloo, all that sort of stuff. So you sleep in an igloo tonight? That's what we want to well, know. Well, if the roof's falling down, I'm gonna have to get that sorted. So well, yeah. You know, if I can get the roof sorted, I might I might maybe take a wee candle and a maybe even a wee dram of whiskey and try and persuade Debbie to come out with me. <laughs> <laughs> Rekin- that's a romantic evening at Afford. <laughs> nice. <laughs> A candlelit dinner in Igloo. <laughs> oh, I think I've lost it. Eh? I think I've lost the plot now. But, you spent yeah. too much time in your own, mate. That's uh, this is that's the, too much time in your own in the Igloo. That's the well, problem. no, there's not really. No, I've been spending many, many a time with the wee man and, and Debbie. Maybe that's I wouldn't say that's a problem. It's been it's been great, entertaining. But anyway, over to you. You've you've been spending many a time looking at that white wall of yours and. <laughs> We have fantastic news to tell the listeners. Fiona has landed. She has landed, which is great. Yeah, it's really good. She got Fiona got here on Monday, but I was sitting at the before we came on, and I appreciate we're really off running topic here. But uh, Fiona was, I knew like we'd planned she was going to come out last week. We'd come up the about when she was coming due to lockdown and whatnot. And there was some stuff with work, and they were like, work were not that helpful in terms of, well, maybe appreciate it, maybe pull it. And in the end, I said, right, we need to just get you out. So we booked the flights for Monday, the 1st of February. And then the French Prime Minister comes out and says, um, actually, we're going to do, we're going to shut all travel out from the outside of the EU into France from the 20, from the 31st of January. I was like, oh, FFS. So anyway, wow. thank goodness she, she arrived and uh, first at Heathrow, she got a, a bit of a, a, an interrogation, then the, the Spanish Inquisition in, in Paris, but she had all her paperwork. All the stuff, you know, that my job here, the, the fact that we're married, the utility bills, blah, blah, blah. So the essential travel. So she is here. She's got a seven-day quarantine, which is pretty tough for, you know, pretty tough for someone who's in training to have to go for seven days in an apartment without going outside. So, oh, really? Uh, oh. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty grim for her. But um, so what anyway. You, what's she doing? Is she, like, just running on the spot or...? Uh, she did some. Uh, I think she well. She did some laps of there's like a, the the garden at the back. She was out, <laughs> out there stretching her legs. So uh, and she. Uh, I think tomorrow she. Uh, I cannot can or cannot confirm that she may come out for a cheeky run during the day in yeah. the woods in, when it's quiet. So anyway, it's only a week. It's only a week. So next Monday she'll be back in action. 
Um, but it's great to have her here. It's great. It's really good because I was saying to Kyle, like you get, I've got a lot of sympathy for, I've got a lot of sympathy for people who live on their own. It's really the last month has really opened my eyes to how under lockdown how difficult that is. So if you're on your own, and I, you know, I discovered like I, you know, someone like me, I love to run, and running was something I loved during lockdown. It last year was like a real escapism. But actually, I find that yeah, I'm escaping the apartment, but it's still you're still just you, yeah. me, myself, and I out on a run, and it's pretty like pretty grim so yeah i've got a lot of so big shout out to those of you who are who are uh who are seeing our lockdown on your own if you you know get in touch with trs if you want some if you want to exchange any chat with us but we but anyway uh the good thing for me is joining the club and actually one thing called the club i did some i did a session last saturday i went down did they invite you no no i was i was down the track the the guy there's a they've now gone to two groups so there's like a top group and a a subgroup, if you like, and the the guy, the sort of, the sort of guy who runs the club, sent me a message saying, right, you come to the Saturday, you know, you're going to be in this top group. This is the wow. plan. So I went along, and the French 10,000 meter champion runs for the club. Oh, why? So what? Samira, she was there, um, and what was really funny was she rose the roost. So like the session was 10 by 400, yeah, and then a 4k tempo on the track. And at the start, they're saying like. Uh, you know, and my French is getting pretty good now, mate. I can understand when someone tells me, you know, okay, we're, you know, we're running. Two, one, uh, go. Yeah, down cans, that's the plan. 75 seconds for the, for the, uh, for the lap. So I thought, okay, fine. And she was saying, right, we're going to take it in turns. You know, we're going to work it as a group. We're running 74, 75, solid. And then when we go into the 4K tempo, running 80 second laps, splits. That's, that's the session. No, I thought that was what she was doing. So when I got to the front, Tommy's feeling quite good, so starts to crank it a little bit. So I've run in like a 72-second lap in, in like the third rep. And I got an absolute bollocking. She's like, it's far too fast. Far too fast. C'est trop vite. C'est trop vite. And I'm like, what? And then she's like, remember the tempo. Remember the tempo. And I'm like, okay, but I think it's okay. And then the guy said to me then, you know, this is the pace she needs to run. I'm thinking, wait a minute. Have I been roped into pace? This Like a part of a training group, you know? And anyway... I I continued on in my myself and like I was pretty, you know I ran my own reps much to their disgust and then we went into the tempo at the end so we did the we agreed we'd swap every every lap and a half we'd change uh, who's at the front so I went to the I went to the front after the after one and a half laps and we were, we were running at eighty one seconds and then I put in an eighty second lap oh. and nobody came but after the so three laps in nobody comes to the front to go take over for me and I'm like okay fine I'll just keep going. And we got to the fifth lap and suddenly they all just stop and look around. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I thought, well, screw this. I'm here to do 4K tempo. That's what I, that's, that was what the session was. That's what yeah. I thought. Okay, that's a good session. So I cracked on. And two of the boys who dropped off, who were, who were, to be fair, they were, I think they're quicker than me on paper, actually. They jumped back in when I came back around for the next lap. And they were like, <laughs> oh, we'll pace you, we'll pace you. So we, they, they saw in the, the session with me. And then I finished. And afterwards, like, I was just got this interrogation about, ah. Oh, what uh you were going too fast uh what did you do on wednesday i said what do you mean what did i do on wednesday what did you do on wednesday what uh and i said and i didn't i did like five by five minutes last wednesday and they were saying like oh yeah that's probably why you could run faster today <laughs> like very bizarre great don't get me wrong great club great group of guys and yeah. girls but this like one in, one incident not incident but one example where i think it's clear that in the past like and maybe that's maybe that's a bad reflection of me that because i've trained larger my own in, in Aberdeen for so long. I've never really run as part of a club, never really gone to a session where the split is 74 seconds, you run 74. I've always been a, I'm going to try and run, if I'm going to do 10 reps, I want to run them all, not full out. I want to keep it, I want to be consistent. Exactly. You know the drill, you want to, exactly, you want to be, if I think I can run all of them at 73 or 72, I'm going to do that. 
and uh, yeah, very bizarre. Uh, so maybe I think I'm think I'm probably partly in the wrong, and I think um, anyway, but bizarre. And then on Sunday, I went, I, I met, I joined them as well, and they were doing a session on Sunday. Uh, some of them were doing 16k at marathon pace, like three thirties, and I'm thinking, I just did a track session yesterday. I don't know, that's so three thirties is what, like, maybe like five thirty-five, something like that. Five thirty-five, something like that. Yeah, and I'm like, so I thought I, I don't think I can run that after a track session. My calves are in bits, oh. so I thought, you know, I'll do. I saw so some of them were like, oh, we're gonna do like a more of a breakdown one. So like five k effort, k easy, four k, k easy, three k, two k. I thought, okay, fine, I'll do that. So I did that, but it's bizarre. Like it, some of them, I'm I'm quite impressed. They're like flogging out a big track session, and then the next day doing a marathon pace effort on the Sunday. Yeah. And I, I'm yeah. sort of sitting feeling I need to. I'm not sure I can handle that. that yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm not getting. I'm not going to the well enough. But <laughs> I, I just uh, I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna someone's gonna break for me. So I think it's it's very interesting. And anyway, I've rambled along a, a lot of it. But what's cool is the club is organising a they've called it a secret race, but they're promoting it on Instagram. So I guess it's not that secret. <laughs> uh, and there so it's a, there are, there's a half marathon, 30k, and marathon. Oh. All measured and organized by the club on the uh, when is it the fourth of April? So I think I'm going to do the half, knowing nice. that I've got the, the regional 10k chance the week after on the 10th. So anyway, I'm going to I'm going to stick with the club training. It's good for me to just jump in with a group and stuff. But I also I think I'm not a track guy. It's how often in the past have I, I said this last week? I don't really do track reps. So to suddenly jump in a group where it's all about lap splits is very alien to me. Yeah, you know, all anyway. the track etiquette and things. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, when I was close to my, or, you know, running my 10K PBs, I, I did a lot of track work uh, and it helped me a lot. Just helped me just, because the, the thing about the track though is, you know, when it comes to like a road race or, a, a, you know, a track, you, you are training very much the same muscles and you, you're you not really, you know, going over different types of terrain and things. It's very much mm. consistent. It's a bit like a metronome. I remember one session when I was really, you know, firing in all cylinders in terms of speed and you know good sort of 10k shape um and i could just literally just clock off three minute k's for you know without really get not tired but just it just felt metronomic just doing it on the on the track so i could like go right i'm going to run a 72 second 400 and i'll know i'll be almost bang on every set every every second or every rep i would manage to run the same almost the same type of, of, of rep or same time each rep. It was, it was brilliant. Um, but now, you know, I try and say, right, I'm going to run a 70 times 10. Like, oh, Christ, you know, 71, 69, because I'm just not used to, you know, being on the track. So it does help your pace judgment. It definitely does. So I think, I think for me doing this, uh, doing this 10K in April, I'm, 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 it's going to be good to do like do the next eight weeks on uh, on the track. So I'm, we'll see how it goes. Here's a question for you, and this is going to sound a really ridiculous question, but I'm, and listeners are probably, some will roll their eyes, some may agree with me. What what shoe to wear in a track? Because when you're doing like 400 meter reps, right? I've always liked to wear something that gets you like close to the ground. You can feel the track. You know what I mean? Real responsive. And uh, because I've got to do quite a long warm up to get there, it's like four miles for me to get to the track. So a car running it. I've been doing, um, I've been running, I've just been wearing like my Pegasus Turbo because they're, I can get, I can turn over quickly enough, but there's still a bit of cushion. I wouldn't mind wearing, thinking about taking a rucksack and bringing something like a Boston. But yeah. I've also been doing, because I've also been doing sessions in five by five minutes last week in my Brooks Hyperion Tempo, which is a lovely shoe to run in. Really, I think that's really? a really like, 
for a shoe that plate, really nice. You can really get a good, a good sort of, a good uh, run, a good lick on it. So it's so those are good shoes. But I'm thinking about. I'm quite keen. I haven't run in a flat in a long time. So the streak, Nike Streak, was the last one I used to run in. The the Boston, the Davis Boston is a shoe that is a bit narrow for me. So what what would you say? What would you recommend in terms of a flat for the track? Well, I you know you, or, rewind the back a wee bit. I'm I'm the same with you. You know, before all these fancy pants shoes came out, you know your carbons and stuff. I would you know wear my 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 kind of my heavier shoe as a warm up, and then I would stick my my flatties on or my my spikes on, and get you know get them on. You feel really fast. You and you're replicating what you would wear in a race. So my advice really would be to to wear what you do in a race. So mm, whatever okay. you're gonna put on, say if I mean you know your 10k, you probably want to put on your probably vapor flight. Oh, yeah, <laughs> If you're going to wear that, then something of the same profile, like maybe a mm. Zoom fly or something, um, if you're going to go for the Alpha Fly. But, you know, before all the carbon shoes, it would be your, your heavy shoe, not heavy shoe, like an, uh, I don't know, like a... Like your mileage Pegasus or, or whatever, yeah. Pegasus. And then you would stick on your, your race flap for your session if it was like kind of short reps or, you know, anything really mm. on the track. The, the, the worry you've got on the track, though, is if you don't run them, certainly for me anyway, um, I, I, I find I was quite susceptible to Achilles issues with, with running fast on the track. So if I okay. ran too much on the track, then, uh, you know, coupled with wearing a race flat and running hard, I, I really did find, you know, just that extra little bit of bounce on the on the track just just stretched the the Achilles a little bit maybe too much. Mm, I mean it's just okay. a fine line. It, 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 and running is a red line anyway. You know, you you, you don't want to go past that red line in training, but it's 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 a bit of an art as well as science, isn't it? To to find mm-hmm. out where your red line is. But um but anyway that my that's my my answer to your question, I think. Does that make sense? Okay. But, it does make sense. And actually but do you know because I was always someone who liked to not race in my not train in my race shoe so that yeah I'd do some miles to get used to them but i'd like to save a, a fast shoe for racing so i'm kind of i think i will wear a, a plated shoe for these 10ks certainly for the half but for the on the track i still i don't know i might i'm gonna have a look at the market maybe go for a like a what's it called the Saucony fast twitch or a or a or a Adidas Adios or something. I yeah. quite fancy some of it low profile for the track. But yeah, I think low profile for me is really important when it comes to like faster workouts. But but also as well, like just for your men, not not your mental health. That's maybe a little bit too far. But just your um, you know, your psychology when it comes to feeling better when you know you're in a faster, you're in a slower shoe and your longer, slower runs. But the, the the time you get to like your your workout whether or not it's on the track or not like wear a shoe that makes you feel good wear a shoe that makes you mm. feel fast wear a shoe that you think I agree. it's going to be replicating what your competition is going to be like because at the end of the day you know that and that's where it comes to when it comes to training where are your good stuff where are the things that make you feel like you know when it comes to like a, a key session and um, because that's what you're going to feel like when it comes to race day you need to be used to that you know gear that you're using you need to be used to mm-hmm. and also when it comes to key sessions maybe not every day every run you do but do your warm-up and do your drills that you would tend to do when it comes to competition as well like you know treat treat because there's races few and far between so um 
make make a habit of doing not every week, but maybe every one or two weeks, just put put do what you would do for a race, uh, yeah. and and then at least you're getting some sort of um, yeah, some sort of stimuli from that as well. So, yeah, mm. uh, but you you know I'm I'm not That's speaking okay. to you, Tom. You you'll know that, but just for other runners out there, yeah, who of course, might think um, what do I do when it comes to training? Uh, we could talk for hours about this, but. Yeah, we could do. Yeah, that. you know, I don't want to bore you, as folks. We've got a we've got a lineup of of amazing guests, and we have, do. Yeah, we've rambled on a lot there. We have, um, but yeah, are we? Wh- where are we then? Is that is that finished? We story, Tom. That is finished. Where we story, I'll tell you about my my uh, fixie next week. Uh, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's that's a that's a new oh, uh, just... another new. Oh, oh, no, I'll oh. say that for next week. That's 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 proven because of some. I've come a cropper on it already. It's great fun, but I've come a cropper on my, my commute and a fixie. Oh, anyway, wow. this so this week we've got Kyle's been speaking to uh Scottish Ultraman uh in the know, Adrian Stott. So we've got probably gonna be a two-parter there. Um we've got news of uh Bucci's national record indoors. Uh we've got some chat about the there's been some uh virtual districts racing, and we're gonna we were gonna have a chat about winter miles actually, but I think you've kind of already talked a little bit about uh about running in the snow but maybe we can come back to that at the end matt matt i just just to, to let you know that sub six minute mile wasn't just you know the roads are fairly clear uh but you know <laughs> if you look at my strava folks there's a wee uh we plug if you haven't followed tom tommy or kyle yet follow us on strava uh and uh you'll, you'll see that we um yeah, we, you know, my 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 runs. You'll know the ten minute mile ones. There are in the snow. They're properly in the the the, the depths of of the Suey Hill and the woods around there, um, which is uh, but which is great. You know, I, I quite like. I've been. I was speaking to you earlier, Tom, about looking for cross country skis. I can't find any. <laughs> I see I a few just... boys on online who are uh, who are doing. Ah, who are really who are pushing that. Exactly, yeah. So anyway, I'm gonna. If anyone's got a pair of cross-country skis and they live near Afford, there's plenty of snow around here. And if you're not using them, feel free to you know just put them at my doorstep, and um, I'll anti back them afterwards, and and they'll give you a, wee, <laughs> a cheeky donation, uh, or even a rental, a, a rental agreement or something. Who knows? Anyway, we are rambling. It is an exciting episode. Um, so we start with uh, that, why don't we start with your man uh, Adrian Stott? Yeah, so I had the pleasure of talking to Adrian Stott, who is an absolute pioneer when it comes to ultra running, uh, not just ultra running, but Scottish athletics. Um, you know, so we spoke about his his history of running, the history of ultra running in Scotland, which is quite interesting. And uh, yeah, we you know we we chatted lot you know long and maybe talking about you know um don ritchie as well which is really good but i think that deserves its own episode um and uh yeah just the kind of current state of of um of athletics in in scotland which is which is exciting um and a few other bits and bobs so without further ado here is adrian stop Okay, so we have Adrian Stott on the show. Welcome to TRS. <laughs> uh, so great to have you on, Adrian. We've been trying to line you up for a number of, I was going to say a number of months, but probably a number of years now since we, <laughs> we first started Tartan Running Shorts. 
So uh, before we kind of, you know, I gave you a, a wee introduction at the start, but just tell us a little bit about you, you know, what you're doing uh, now and, and kind of how you, you, you got into running those, those many, many years ago. Eh? How long have we got? Um, <laughs> long story short, I think my mum, bless her, said I ran my first race when I was about four years old. Wow. And then as I got older, they just got a bit longer, should we say? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> then, <was> <laughs> <it>? <laughs> <laughs> at school, I did a lot of sport. I wasn't running was just one of a lot of sports. I did football. I did rugby. Yeah. I was always quite sporty. I was captain of the football team on the rugby team. This is down in Cornwall. but I wasn't in Scotland then. And, yeah. Um, so I did a lot of things. And we did cross country as well, you know, and I was quite good at cross country at the yeah. sharp end. I won the under 14 school 800 meter title. And oh, nice. We had 800, 800 yards, whatever it was in those days. Yeah. 880, yeah. So it was sort of, um, I was sort of sporty, but never, it's good at a lot of things, but never excelled at anything, should we say. Yeah, just okay. all rounder. Yeah. 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 Nice, nice. And then when I left school, I didn't, Soccer was probably my main sport, but I couldn't commit to team games so much, you know. Ah. So I just got into running, and running just seemed to take over. But you know, this is when I was about 18, 19. Yeah. And it just sort of, and I was living in Cornwall, just by the coast, very idyllic little village. You used to run around the cliffs, beaches. Um, wow, been wonderful terrain. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that's how it started. Yeah. Wow. Probably ran my first marathon when I was far too young. I was only about 23, 24. Okay. What was, first first when I was about 26, 27. Yeah. yeah. What was your first and, um, marathon? First marathon. This is going back. Back in the, dare I say it, the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> you had to be good. To, there were quite a few road marathons around, but you had That's to be quite good to run them. Like if you, had, if you couldn't run to three hours, forget it, you wouldn't get in. Really? Like, no, no. like qualifying times and things. Sort of. I mean, it was very much a, I mean, the strength of UK athletics has always been the club scene and the Harrier yeah. scene. And it was, and it was different then. It was sort of, you had to be sort of good to get into these things, you know, yeah. sort of quite good. Yeah. yeah. So this guy called Alan Blatchford <clears throat> was the president of the, what the LWDA, which some of you might know, the long distance walking association. Oh yeah. A lot of long distance walks, mainly in England. There's a few in Scotland. And he came up with this idea of having a like a novices marathon. Almost, it was almost a rebellion against the status quo that if you're good, you had to be good to run a marathon. If you could run a marathon quicker than three hours, you weren't allowed to enter. Really? Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. And it was geared, and it was geared at walkers. It had about a ten-hour time limit, so you could yeah. walk it, you could <laughs> run it, you anything. So, um, when I got got a bit of a huff, I was turned down for the first marathon I entered. So I thought, <laughs> I can do this. You know, I, I, done it in training i just got to do it in a, in a race so i, I yeah. went and did that yeah you know, and oh, i think right. about 317 i did on, yeah. on, okay on looking back now on stupid training you know? yeah <laughs> we got around yeah and it was called the masters and maidens you if you were if you were good you couldn't run it but you could run it if you were over 40 and the guy who won it that day was bruce tullow because he oh, just wow. turned 40 so he was able to run it i think he yeah I, I dare, I, I, I dare, not guess his time as a forty-year-old uh, as a marathon. I think it was close to two forty. Yeah. Wow. But he's yeah. he was he's been a fit young man as we know. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. Jeez, and then it, one thing led to another. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And then what about your first ultra? What was your first your... ultra? Well, I'd moved to Scotland by now. I moved to Scotland in nineteen eighty-one, and the first ultra I did, I'd had experience of ultras and. Even at this time, we didn't really call ourselves ultra marathons. 
that was like a phrase that sort of evolved. You know, we were just endurance people, just doing, taking on challenges and doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I was across in the States and I just heard about this 50 miler that was happening. And I just asked, well, have you got to be good to do it? You know, thinking of my track record. <laughs> and I said, no, it's open to anybody. And it's great, very generous time. And so I just entered this 50 miler. Yeah. And what, what one was that? Was that there? It was a little one organized by the Street Humor Group across in the States. So I was across there visiting some friends over there. Yeah. It was okay. on a three mile loop around Rockland State Park in New York. Yeah. Okay. Uh, New York State up there. And we did about 25 laps of the lake. Yeah. 25 yeah. I didn't find the distance too much of a problem yeah and that was that was you hooked on it thereafter yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> like and I, then mean, I came out I did a few London of Brighton's because back in the early 80s there were hardly any ultras in the yeah. UK you could count them on the fingers of one hand possibly London of Brighton is they all point to point things like Woodford to South End Preston to Blackpool all these wonderful races there wasn't even an Edinburgh to Glasgow that happened occasionally yeah, yeah. and, and I did the London to Brighton a few times, and that's where I developed a friendship with Donald as well. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. the- Scott's with Don Ritchie, he's yeah. been a very good friend of mine over the years. Yeah, yeah. and um, fascinated by that. But even people like Donald, we didn't see ourselves as ultra runners. Yeah, I mean, even Donald, if you read his book, he says he found out he was an ultra runner when he went to the States about 1980, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And people were talking about ultramarathons and ultramarathon runners, and he didn't know what that was. And they explained it to him, you know, it's anything over a marathon. He said, oh, okay. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> he hadn't really realized until then, you know. And it was just, That's yeah. crazy. I and mean, all of us running those things in, we just saw ourselves as just endurance runners, just taking on little challenges, you know. Yeah. And some of us were into 800 meters, some of us were into going further, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Now, that's, I mean, you know, the, Ultra running is such a big sport now. It's it's crazy how much it's grown, and you know, yeah. like you said, it's it's amazing to find out where the the roots were as well. Like, I mean, you know, you you know more about ultra running than mo- well, most ultra runners. <laughs> uh, you're from the northeast. Um, yeah, northeast always had a very strong tradition in ultra running, as far as Scotland goes. I know your audience is probably wider than Scotland now, but um. The Roadrunners Club traditionally in Britain um, took on the role of sort of organizing some ultras. They used to organize track ultras. Mm-hmm. Um, they started the London to Brighton race as well. And the comrades had been happening in South Africa for many years. And mm-hmm. guys in the Roadrunners Club just figured Britain needs a race like that. We need a race like the comrades in Britain. So, yeah. and London to Brighton was renowned for people walking it, doing it in vintage cars, motorbikes, and everything. So, just a question of time for some bonkers have inspired people to say yeah we can run this you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so that's probably where the uk ultra running modern day ultra running yeah. Yeah. you decide all pedestrians of last year all the people used to do stupid things 100 years ago you know running around tracks and <laughs> thousand mile challenges and things for money and bets on yeah. the side and things but that's this whole separate topic uh but london brighton again first time i tried to enter that i was turned down you're not good enough really what you had to have, you had to, well, I'd only done a few marathons and I knew ah. it was sending my entry for London to Brighton. And I think I still have a letter somewhere from Ian Champion, the organiser. He's become a very good friend now. Um, <laughs> he sort of said, yes, you probably can run 50 miles, but do yourself a favour, give yourself another year. Oh, do yeah. this, do that. And probably the best advice he ever gave me. Yeah. So I went back, much better prepared, got in and enjoyed it. I, and I give that advice to any aspiring ultra runner. Give yourself time for your first one. 
Yeah, okay. You enjoy it. So many people burn out or don't enjoy the first ones. They do too much too soon. Yeah. It's such a, like, I mean, the first, the bit, one of the biggest lessons I learned in my first ultra was go, doing that, doing that, a 10K or a marathon's fine. You know, you, you, it's very standardized. There's a standardized approach with both, both of those kind of disciplines, like, you know, the yeah. anything less than a marathon. But when it comes to an ultra, even a, a 50K on a trail, uh, you know, so you've got to bring your backpack. You've also got to think about safety on the hills and, you know, which is fine. So being a hill runner, but some, you know, runners yeah. who maybe come from the road and do an ultra trail, like they, they and they also, you know, thinking about your fueling uh, whilst you're running, your hydrating, your hydration strategy. And it's, uh, and, you know, and, and also, um, you know, making sure you go the, blood, the right bloody way as well. You know, <laughs> some of these First really- London Brighton I did. You basically had to follow the A23. Yeah. <laughs> there were some marshals, but you basically... Um, I just love the Brighton, the whole history of it. For those of you who don't know, if you can imagine Big Ben. Everyone knows Big Ben. Yeah. Started at Big Ben, 7 a.m., first Saturday of October every year. And <clears throat> only about 100 people just milling around the side of the road, all the traffic's going by, buses going by, London's waking up early Sunday morning. And then at about two minutes to seven... Um, guy in a very London accent goes okay lads when Big Ben goes into the road on the first big bong you start <laughs> and that's it and sort of as soon as the time started going runners just yeah. piled into the road a couple of guys are trying to stop the buses and the taxis and all the traffic yeah and then you know talk about having road closures forget it yeah, yeah. that's how road races were back then yeah. any races you just had to cope with the traffic and then you just set off and he basically, I remember just, and, and he actually said, yeah, any trouble, just follow the signs of the A23 to Brighton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of the main junctions were marshaled. A lot of the small ones weren't. And yeah. I think I had to ask the way once, yeah, at one point, coming into Brighton. Yeah, that's a funny bit. But it worked. I mean, but it was a hairy little race. You were going down. It went on to quieter roads as, as the years progressed. But yeah. A, it was one of the hardest races you ever did because it was quality. You set off over Westminster Bridge, and within about 15 minutes, you realised... I'm working hard here, but everyone else around you is, you know, and this yeah. is, and you're looking at me, hey, you're looking like, now nah, this is the Brighton, mate. This is what it's like. This is it. This is the Brighton. You got, you, you know, yeah. and you get to five miles, 10 miles, and you're still working hard, and you think, gosh, and it's just one of the most intense ultras I've still ever run. Yeah. Yeah. The, the it, yeah. It's yeah. like you're doing 100K now at, at, at sharp quality. You know, yeah. you stop to tie a shoelace and they're up the road <laughs> 100 yards, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't wait for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And well, it's that's completely uh... great. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, just yeah. the the history of of how ultra running started yeah. coming into the UK. And, yeah. You know, from from there, you know, from kind of personally to, to you, you know, you yes. decided to to venture even further than that and, and for longer. Uh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about you know how you decided uh, and, and where that took you as well. Those well, I probably have to blame getting to O'Donnell a bit for that. Um, <laughs> I got to know Donald quite well by now. Um, yeah. When I moved to Scotland, <clears throat> we had a few mutual friends. And I remember, I think the first time I met him was at the old Glen Nevis 10. It's a 10 mile race like Arby's organised from, from oh, yeah. William, up and down the Glen. Yeah. Uh, yeah how far there or something? Or it used to be? Or... We used to have, no, it's a half marathon out in the Malay Grove. This one basically went up Glen Nevis, up to Poldhu, yeah. and you turned around and came back down again. Yeah. Fabulous little little race, yeah. And we had a chat, and <clears throat> traditionally there'd been a lot of sort of the Roadrunners Club had also organized track races, like 24 hours, 100 miles on the track. And Donald had done some of them and set his 100 mile and his 100k records oh, on the track. I remember just chatting off the cuff and sort of saying, Is there a, is there a race 
this little record you'd like to set you haven't set because you had all the records from 50k up to 100 miles yeah so i'd like to set a 200k record have a go at that uh -huh. also be nice if i could set it in scotland and i thought oh gosh where is this leading yeah <laughs> long story short um six months later we were standing at coke bridge track in lanarkshire organizing a 24-hour race oh wow in coke bridge yeah. uh in a, in a windy rainy um saturday in november yeah uh -huh. um it was howling um and we had about 30 runners shipped up to do this 24 hours and make good ones and yeah long story short 14 and a half hours later donald had broken the 200k record on the track but yeah jesus yeah. What, what time did you get for that i think he had about 14:45 that year yeah jesus. but he also broke the 200k record on two other occasions i have a bit of a link with the 200k record because donald broke it three times yeah and i was there on all three occasions wow once when I organised that one, once at Milton Keynes 24 hour huh. indoors where I was crewing him and once in the race where I was running with him. <laughs> well, I was in the race, it was 24 yeah. hour race, I was running, but you finished quite a bit ahead of me. But um, And I also was present when Yanis Kruis had the 200k in Basel and he did his 178 mile 24 hour as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Well, that's one thing, uh, you know, we could go, we could jump around. Yeah. One thing that so, you're... One thing that you're renowned for is just being everywhere, you know. <laughs> you know, you just so, you, you're always in different places, and that, like you know, so yeah. much about the sport. And so, yeah, just talk us. Yeah, sorry. Well, after I moved to Scotland and got to know Donald, Donald sort of I don't say took me under his wing is the wrong word. He he saw I had a little bit of a talent. I didn't have basic speed. I mean, I developed my best marathon to be two forty nine, which I guess yeah. is good club standard, but yeah. nothing. Yes, yeah, but. <clears throat> Donald had tweaked that I could just go forever, you know. He said you he said you should try some longer races. So um I did. Um the Roadrunners Club, with the help of a guy called John Foden, who might ring a bell with some people, mm -hmm. uh marvelous guy, passed away about three or four years ago, age 90, bless him. Oh, wow. He had three main claims to fame. One was he started the Anglo-Celtic plate. He, that was his idea. The okay. Home Countries International, 100K England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Yeah. Which you've run in, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also started the Spartathlon race in Greece. Oh, did he? Oh. Long story short, he was in the Air Force and he was stationed out in Greece. And being a slightly learned guy, started reading all the Greek classics and everything yeah. and realized, hey, these guys ran 145 miles, you know, from here yeah. to here. And it's actually, he was looking on the map saying, this is the trail they ran. He said, I wonder if we can recreate that and see if it's, see if this myth was actually a reality or whether they're just talking cobblers. Wow. So him and about four other Air Force guys trained for it. Yeah. And set off and John was the only one to finish. Jesus. Took him about two days, I think, but he, 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 the myth was busted that this guy was surreal. This guy actually did run 145 miles to proclaim victory, you know, whatever. <laughs> and from that, he invited some more friends the next year, and the race began. Spot Athlon race began, which is, as you now know, is famous. That's yeah. massive now, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and it's an iconic race yeah. in the ultra running world now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and, um, so John also had the idea to organize a 24 hour race in the UK. Yeah indoors around what was one of the biggest shopping malls in Europe in Milton Keynes at the time. Nice. Well, People like, can do a Google search for that. There was a, a 24 hour race around a shopping mall in Milton Keynes. So it was in a, in a shopping mall, really? It was a shopping mall. It's going back late, mid, late 80s. Sunday trading wasn't legal then. 
Um, and Donald talked me into doing it. He said, you should have a go at this 24-hour race. You know? Yeah. So I did. And I, I it was okay. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but you were running around with this shopping mall and it's a marble floor. And it was so hard. But it, it was just a 24 hours to me because I've done quite a few 24-hour races yeah. over the years. Um, and 24 hours as an ultra event, A, it's one of the classic distances, along with 50K, 100K, 24 yeah. hours. 24 hours, a challenge of how far can you run in one revolution of the planet, basically, in 24 yeah. hours, you know, in the clock going around. I, I think it's fascinating, yeah. yeah. You to do one, one, you have to do one. Every, every option one, no matter what their standard, you do one 24-hour event. Yeah. Whether it's on the track, whether it's on the trails, just just do one. It's, I it's, tried it's, to do one on a treadmill. I only got to 18 hours. <laughs> I I saw about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was rooting for you, but... um. Oh, oh man. Maybe, yeah. Uh, I do want to do a 24-hour run. I really do. Um, I just don't you, know when. You'd yeah. be good at it. You, you would. You would. So... <clears throat> About that sort of time to around about the 80s, all these long distance trails were starting up. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that we didn't run trails, but back in when we were 70s, 80s, like when I was brought up in Cornwall, everyone ran on the trails, ran the cliff paths, on the yeah. coastal paths. Even people in Scotland, even Donald, he's running out the forests all the time. Maybe all the ultra runners were doing long training runs on the trails. Yeah. But when the long distance trails like the West Island Way was starting to be set up, people started walking. It was just a question of time before people said, said okay, let's, we can run these things as well. Let's yeah. have a race on it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Moving to Scotland, I obviously developed a fascination with the hills. You can't be a runner and come to Scotland and not get involved in running in the hills eventually. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and if, if you're sort of guy like me, you're just looking for challenges. So I heard about this race, the West Island Way, and actually next year is the 30th anniversary of the first time I did it. I first did it in 1981. Yeah. Is that the first, you did it the first year? No, the first one was the 19... We could spend hours talking about the West Island Way, but first one was 1984. Wow. Okay. Um, Duncan Watson and Bobby Shields mm -hmm. uh, had this little challenge. I mean, when the West Island Way was set up in the early 80s, two or three clubs organized a relay up it. I think Shettleston, Lock Arbor, Clydesdale had a little relay up it. Yeah. And it was a question of time before some inspired guy would say, I'm going to do this in a Warner. Step forward, Duncan Watson, Esquire. <laughs> we challenged if you put the put the challenge out there and Bobby Shields took him up on it. Bobby Shields was one of the best hill runners in Scotland at the time. He'd won the Ben Nevis race. Uh -huh. Um yeah. and it's not the legend, it's actually the fact they shipped up at Mulgai station. Um <clears throat> allegedly Duncan just had a little carrier bag with some sandwiches and a bottle of water, which didn't have a backup. Bobby's wife was going to follow him in the car, meet him occasionally. Yeah. But 17 and a half hours later, just over, they were in Fort William. Wow. That's how the West Island Way race was born. Yeah. Huh. And good friend of mine, Dave Wallace, <coughs> got to run it a few times. He won it three times as well. Um, yeah, had one of the fastest times. He said, You should do it. You'd love this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the ultra scene then was quite small and niche in Scotland. We were looked upon as a bit of sort of rebels without a clue, as it were, just going up and doing <laughs> crazy things. Yeah. And I mean, we all knew each other, and even the early West Town and Way Runners, it was just there wasn't any qualifying, it was just a case of it's very low key. Yeah, this race is happening on midsummer weekend, yeah, you know. And it was like an unofficial betting process, you know. If someone we didn't know entered it, or someone the organizer didn't know entered it, they do some research, they could, is this guy for real? Can he do this thing? And it's oh, yeah, we know Fred, he can do this. So <laughs> yeah. it's very close knit. First rise, I think 25 people started, about 15 finished, it's that sort of thing, yeah, yeah, um, but. 
and David told me, yeah, it's a great day in the hills. You just love it. It's going to do it. You know, it's not a big thing. And I mean, then no gels, no hydration vests, wow. no, you know, no, yeah, support. no garments, no nothing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You just, just have long days in the hills. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, very amazing. little equipment, very basic. You could do it unsupported then. And I didn't have support. You could just leave drop bags at the checkpoints on the way. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and like, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, there's so many things that we've, you, you've already said that I really want to really talk, speak to you about, yeah. but I want to keep going uh, yeah. through, through your Yep. through your kind of running career and then I'll probably take a step back and chat to some of those things yeah. that I want to ask well, you about so uh, when things like the West Tunnel Way race started happening then <clears throat> all of a sudden other side of trail races started happening you know any sort of anywhere a trail had been set up people started saying okay let's have a race over this and, and now as you know this you're going to look in a fixture this is well, yeah. two or three ultras in Scotland every weekend of yeah. scary sports from 50k through to things like the Highland Way Great Glen yeah you know, Skyline, uh, all sorts of stuff going on, yeah. Where's that become a, a natural thing back then? It was you were looked upon as a bit of a weird fringe, even though we didn't think we were, we were just doing what we thought was natural. Yeah, <laughs> and even you talk to ultra runners now, I mean, you've gone up through the ranks, you started doing on Sorry. the track 5k, yeah. 10k marathon, and yeah, it's, it's just a natural progression. And that's how guys like Donald and even going back to Alistair Wood, your other great Aberdonian legend, yeah, um, they just saw as it was just a natural extension of endurance. They didn't, they don't put little sort of labels on it saying, I'm an ultra and I'm a hill runner, I'm a trail yeah. runner. They just, they just challenge themselves, you know, yeah. for anything, you know, and then, and that's the whole camaraderie of endurance. It's just endurance and many challenges. There's no yeah. little labels to put on people. You know? I, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm with you as well. I find, um, yeah. you know, as a community of, of, you know, the, the ultra running community, I think that's great that we are a community. Yeah. But I also think the community's runners, you know, cause runners yeah. can, can change disciplines or, you know, I've got, really good mates in 5k 10k and you know in the track and sprinters and it's like well it's all just a challenge you know it's all just a challenge of distances or, or times and it's, uh, it's, it's all up there yeah if you if you wear you know you're <clears throat> look like this if you're an ultra runner you know or you you, you wear innovates if you're a, a hill runner you know it's uh it's quite it's quite interesting how people brand yeah. themselves up and, and depending you know what distance they they run their discipline they run i have i have a little thing with a lot of hill runners i know that if you want to be a proper runner even if you're a hill runner you've got to do a marathon at least once yeah. on, on the road it's like a little rites of passage you can't really call yourself a, a, a complete runner same as me like same as you know, people have yeah. challenged me to go and do the ben race or something like that which should you know stuff like this you've got to do these it's kind of just there's so many just interesting challenges out there just to oh, yeah. dive yeah, into yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so we're talking about challenges um yes. you, you you've really you've kind of gone from doing 24-hour races but you know you, you, you're all i know you're, you're not gonna you know you i know you can i'm gonna try and tease this out of you um yeah. you were a very good ultra runner uh okay maybe not to the level that don ritchie was but um you know you you got in the gb team for the <clears> 24 hours probably yeah um i was i was strength is a weakness i was i was the sort of chap who's always just keen to do this do that didn't have a lot of structure i was fit i had a good little basis yeah i didn't say i had a coach as such for many years just read a lot you know um 
fell in love with Lydiard's whole ideas of training, you know, um, as many people did back in the 70s, 80s. Um, and then I got to know Donald. I wouldn't say he wasn't, didn't coach me, but he came my little mentor. You know, he used to phone him up and sort of be, he used to, he used to encourage me that you can do a good 24 hour race. He kept saying, you can do a good 24 hour race. Yeah. So you just have to sort of focus on it for, give yourself a couple of years just to focus on it and you can do well with it. So I thought, okay. Let's, before I get too old and sort of, <laughs> like, like, you know, you're a coach now. Yeah. Um, other people are coaches. You know, so many runners out there who are doing this, doing that. And as soon as they get a coach or just some sort of, someone says, do this. Here's a little bit of structure. Yeah. Hey ho. Yeah. So mag magic happens. It's yeah. not rocket science. Yeah. No. So I guess fast forward two or three years and I managed to qualify for the GB team and I was in the team with Donald, for God's oh, sake. Nice. It was like, wow. I mean, it was sort of awe inspiring, but at the same time, we were just buddies as well, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it was, but it was just, it was quite a sort of magical, life defining moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And like, um, where, you know, where, where did that take you in terms of, you know, the races that you... you, you well, um, that took us to Holland. Yeah. Uh, I'd raced abroad a bit, but not big time. I've never been a big traveller to races. Yeah. I've always stayed fairly local. That's probably just been because never really... I've travelled the planet, but I've always been... It's very trendy now to have a watch your carbon footprint. Right, you know, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's March, let's go to the Canaries, it's August, let's go to Switzerland, you know. Yeah. You know it was just, I was happy to stay home and just run races in the UK. Yeah. You know? yeah. Plus, I had a family, I had a busy job, and all kinds of stuff, so you've got all these, other, all these plates you're spinning. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, for, for three or four years, maybe five years, I trained hard and focused, and it got me three GB vests, basically. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 24 hours. Yeah, 24-hour yeah, event, yeah. 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 24 hours was good. I could stay on my feet for 24 hours, no problem. You know, that, that's just a, partly genetics, but partly mindset as well. You know, probably part of my background. As you probably know, I've been very interested in yoga and meditation most of my life. So the yeah. whole meditation angle on life is just, just what ultra one is just related, just pushing those boundaries out. Yeah. And you can do that in any direction. You know, if you're just there cooking your supper in the kitchen, you just want to do the best job you can with what you're doing, you know? Yeah. If you're looking after your little boy, you just want to give him what, what you think is the best. You know, so you're just always trying to sort of look at another angle on things and just push the boundaries out and look at things from different angles. Yeah. 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 And what, you know, when, when it came from doing the, you know, your, that, that was your main event was the 24 hour event. Um, and yeah. what was your, you know, what was your best kind of result from the 24 hours? Cause it, it must be quite a hard, um, yeah, a hard, yeah. a hard one to learn and to master. Yeah. Uh, so how did um, that I rode my like my best twenty four hour was in the European Champs in Eden with that race with Donald. Yeah, I did just over two hundred thirty k, about one hundred forty three miles. Oh. Which is again, I I would call that it's okay. Um, it wouldn't get me in the team now. Um, things have moved on a bit. Um might get you close to the team in a bad year but you know guys like jimmy stewart you know dan lawson they're running 150 miles plus getting up towards 160 yeah. and that's basically what you need to get in the gb team now so yeah. but then maybe you're you know back back fast back forward you, you probably would be even faster because you'll uh you'll know your standard and benchmark you know it's uh yes and then you've worked with it yeah right yeah <laughs> again and standards are there to be yeah. broken and transcended it's been proven if you set a tough standard, it'll it'll freak some people out, but other people will rise to the challenge and make it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, 
So how did that go? And, and you know, when it, when it comes to you know, that result, cause that's that's awesome. And, like, what was your feeling like? And, and 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 I'm sure a lot of the things, not just feeling, but how did you go into a 24 hour event? Um, the mindset oh, I, and you know the strategy, your pacing. I'd your done several strategy. by then, so I'd, I'd learned. Like I said probably about my 10 to 11 24 hour, and I'd done several West Island ways by now, so I've used yeah, to that sort yeah. of distance. Yeah. 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 Um. So. Best way is not to think too much about it. Um, personally, um, both approaches work. You've got some people who would sort of looking at their watch every five minutes, noticing the pace they're on, things like this. I basically wouldn't wear a watch. Okay. I would just go into it just, just by feel. Yeah. Um, and just know that you're at a pace you can handle and a pace you're comfortable at. And you get to learn that. I mean, as far as 24 hour racing goes, <clears throat> uh, as opposed to 24 hour running, well, any 24 hour, really, any long ultra. Best advice I got from a guy called Dave Cooper, who was an old guy from Essex. He was very good at 24 hour running. And when yeah. I did my first 24 hour, I remember phoning him up. Didn't have emails in those days. He phoned people <laughs> up. You know, it's, quite, it's quite cute, you know. Yeah. I said, Dave, I'm doing a 24 hour race. I know you've done a few. What's your best advice? And he's from Essex. He said, Adrian, I'll tell you some good advice. And I had this advice from someone else. You probably had it from someone else. You got it from someone else. But and you're into meditation. So this is a bit Zen for you, he said. But um, you start slow and then you go a bit slower. <laughs> and then you go a bit slower again. Because everyone goes off too fast. But and don't worry about the other guys. Just let them go. And by 12 hours, you'll probably be there or thereabouts. Yeah. Okay. And he's absolutely spot on. Yeah. Wow. It's, you're right. I mean, like, I think I look at, I look at a 24 hour event. And, and I met UTMB was, I, I kind of went in with the mindset, it's going to be 24 hours or more for me anyway. Uh, and like the first 10 hours doesn't matter, does it? Like the first no. 12 hours just, 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 just while, while the time away, sing some songs, chat to yourself, yeah. chat around you. Yeah. And then, then yeah. it gets serious. Yeah. yeah. And like, what, what, what's that like then? The last sort of 12 hours, you know, what, what, what do you have to, do you <coughs> still continue to be quite chilled and, you know it's like anything it's like anybody does the highland way like if you're doing a marathon your first marathon you just it's bite-sized chunks yeah uh like if you're doing the west highland way you break it down it's 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 grim and it's balmahar it's maradon and you up all the way up to you just do it not 10k off at a time same the 24 hour but you're doing it by hours or distance it's just like okay there's 50k there's 40 miles there's 50 miles there's 100k there's 12 hours job done um and you just have these little benchmarks but they get harder and harder to achieve but if you've trained well and you've paced it right from the start yeah. and you've sort of got your nutrition yeah like yeah. you and that's a whole separate sort of art or even science our science or an art whatever you want to look at it yeah. um feeling strong in the last six hours of something like the highland way or a 24-hour race it's some like feeling strong in the last 5k of a marathon it's the most fabulous feeling in the world just knowing that months and months of training, you've just nailed it and you've done yeah. right on the day. And um, so I remember the first time I did the Highland Way under 20 hours, it'd been a little goal for me. Yeah. And I didn't even wear a watch. My backup crew knew the splits I wanted to hit. Uh-huh. And we just had this little setup saying, don't tell me anything, just, 
just smile if I'm in the sort of zone I want to be at when I come through the checkpoint. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it smiles all the way up until we got to Kinlock Leaven. And then I say, I looked at Alan, who's helped me, he said, The final checkpoint, isn't well, it? Well, it's like this. You're doing okay, but you can't afford a hang around boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, I still didn't have the watch on, but I just I was a of a wake-up call. You know, I, yeah. I had my own little internal clock going, and I figured I was holding the pace I needed to do. Uh-huh. And also, I, I knew I had a 24 hours coming up in another three months' time, so I didn't want to overcook it. Yeah. I, uh, um, anyway, long short, it is 19 hours, 58 minutes. I just, oh, yes. I just <laughs> <laughs> it must have been like a sprint, you know, and uh, no one. If you didn't it have a watch, was... it must have been like, oh, what? Those people who've done the Highland Away, if anyone's listening to this, you'll know this is wonderful stretch. From Nundavra, the last sort of seven or eight mile stretch, you've got this godforsaken awful bit where you're, you've done the best part of 85 miles. And then you've got yeah. this undulating sort of from Nundavra right over to the Glen where you're going up, down, steps, all sorts of stuff. And you yeah. and you just seen, oh my gosh, more of this. Then you just break out of the forest at the top of Glen Nevis, the bends right ahead of you. Used yeah. to be a forest, it's now been nuked and it's all been teeth been cut. But then you have about 5k on this fabulous fire road. Yeah, I was on it there. Uh, downhill uh, and straight into Fort William basically at the moment. Uh, and yeah. if you if you've paced it well, you can fly down that road. Yeah. Right. That's a good 5k to feel strong. And that way I I flew down the road. I had to because I say I had two minutes to spare. So. Ah, amazing. Well, I, I you know, feel I'm, my I'm... backup if I've done 2001. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buzzing to do the West Highland Way. It's so inspiring, and you know, just listening to yourself and you know John Kyneston with uh, uh-huh. his podcast, and you know, yes. rest in peace with, with John. And, and I'm sure you knew John really well too. And uh, throughout the years, with your involvement in the West Highland Way race and all the other yes. races, so uh, yeah, you know, just I suppose briefly, just tell us a little bit about John and um, you know your kind of your relationship or how you knew him um, well, um it's funny i wouldn't say i knew john really well we knew yeah. each other best part of 20 years i guess um yeah. but, and i remember the first time he phoned me up in edinburgh and even to me to dairy the organizer of the rest on the race is a guy called dario Malarani for many years yeah. some people listening to this will have heard of dario he's a lovely guy and John wanted to do that. He'd got to running, done, done the marathon thing, yeah. decided he wanted to do the West Highland Way. And he spoke to Dario and Dario said, tell her who she can chat to. There's this chap in Edinburgh knows a bit about ultras. She's going to have a chat with him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> me. <laughs> so John phoned me up and said, yeah, I'm doing the West Highland Way. And even just when he phoned, I just got this whole wave of just this guy who was just so enthusiastic about Hi. life and everything. It's just a bundle of energy you know and, yeah. and when i met him it proved to be the case you know he was just enthusiasm and energy incarnate you know it's just nothing in his life was impossible he just got yeah. that impression. anything he sort of did and people he knew would just sort of he gets he'd do it get something done and that's yeah. how john was one of these guys he wanted something that had a little job he wanted to do because he helped with the race so much over the years he just mm. turned up send him a mail within a couple of hours it'd be done you know he'd do some stuff on the website you want to get in touch with somebody, you want to have a contact with who knows about this, who knows about that. Oh, from this guy, you know, he, he, yeah, he's just, this guy to know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's one, you know, the, the West Island Way family, it's called. Um, yeah. And, and, and I suppose it's, we, you know, we, we don't want to be quite niche about ultra running community, but, you know, there's a family within that race and it's, uh, and that's, you know, you're, you're, you're a big player in that as well. And 
kind of just you know yeah. talk us talk us a little bit about you know the. I think it goes back to well, say Duncan and Bobby started the race, yeah, and. <clears throat> There's been several organizers over the years. Um, Jimmy Stewart from East Kilbride was the organizer for about 10 years. And then he decided he, 10 years was enough. And it was also, he felt it was all getting a bit serious. Yeah. <laughs> and becoming a little niche race for people who just knew what they were doing and uh-huh. knew how to look after themselves in the hills, basically. There were people yeah. starting to enter it who perhaps weren't so experienced. Yeah. And I think without giving too much away, there've been a couple of close shades of people's safety, should we say. Yeah. And so the race, and he realized the race had to change, and he wasn't, he didn't want to change it basically. Yeah. Okay. So Dario came forward and he changed a lot of things. People had to have backup, you know, to, yeah. so that if they got lost or if they didn't appear at a checkpoint, your backup can go and find you, you know, yeah. um, as well as got mountain rescue involved in a big way, which they'd only been a little bit in the past. You know, you basically had to fend for yourself in the past, but as things went forward and um, more people started doing it, any race organizer will tell you, you you have a lot of responsibility to look after these people. Yeah, you know, yeah. If someone doesn't appear at a checkpoint, where are they? Yeah. <laughs> Discuss. <you know? laughs> How can we find them? You know, et cetera. It's not rocket time. So <laughs> that's that developed. Then Dari was, you know, very much like John's circumstances. He just passed away very suddenly with a heart attack as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, very sad. And yeah. post now memorizes him at the top of Loch Lomond, as most people know. Dario's post at the top of Loch Lomond. Um, when Dario passed away, a little group of us thought, well, the race has to continue. So yeah. a few of us got together, um, Ian Beatty, myself, um, a few others. Um, but basically just decided the race had to continue. But the whole ethos we had was, because Dario had nurtured this whole amazing atmosphere around the race and building it up, mm-hmm. was that, yes, it has to move with the times, but you want to keep that original ethos of just making it fun and just the original guys who just set out for a day in the hills basically yeah. and just try to strike that balance between having this really incredible challenge because for a lot of people I mean, i've done it i don't know how many times 15 times now and you get it flippant about it but yeah. for most people that do it it is probably one of the hardest things they'll ever do and they don't do anything as hard ever again so it's, it's, it comes very special to them and yeah. all the people that help them through that months of training getting to that start line yeah, yeah. And that's how the whole family sort of thing builds up. Yeah. Because you look at any country, whatever it is, like America's got the Western States, Greece has got the Spartathlon now, South Africa's comrades, Scotland has the West Highland Way. That is an iconic ultra challenge. Yeah. You talk to anyone who doesn't run, who likes the outdoors, they'll have walked the West Highland Way. Yeah. Everyone in Scotland either wants to walk a bit of it or or put it on a tick list. I want to walk the West Highland Way. Yeah. So having this weekend in midsummer, where you have the chance to run it in 35 hours you know, yeah. just to do it it's become this special little thing that a lot of people do you know what, as well it's, uh, it's because it's so hard to get into as well um it's mm-hmm. it's got that it's a bit like western states you know you really have to it's not you can't just walk in and, and get into the race and, uh you you really have to earn yeah. your earn, earn your badge you know and it's and, and the entry process is it is it what is it is it a lot it's not a lottery is it it's, it's um, a ballot um, yeah. we try to do as fair as possible with the race organizers hat. I mean, Ian is the main race director. I'm yeah. just, I don't know. I think mean, I've just, I think I was sort of got involved because I wanted the race to continue because it, it's become something that's been very close to my heart. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh, in the last 30 years since I first ran it, I think it's only two years I've missed it. I've either been running it, been crewing for somebody or 
or marshalling or just helping out with the organization in the background of the last mainly the last few years yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so but within that you just want to try and keep that little ethos of the uh, sort of family feeling but also and this is where a lot of race organizers have a like an it's almost like an ethical problem mm-hmm. um, do you really want we could have a thousand people running the west island way if we wanted to but yeah. how do you manage that it's a big it's a where big is there a car park you can have a checkpoint that will house all those people um the environmental things are i have a bit of a joke there's a very big race held at cannot leave now which has several thousand people i would love to see their environmental impact on the paths out of cannot leave oh god yeah yeah i'm sure they've done one i'm sure they look after it very well but um cars all these little things that race organizers look at yeah um and the lake district has its problems as well because mm. even in scotland and the lakes you've got little villages that when things are normally happening mm. you might have three or four events each weekend yeah that's a, lot a cycle or a mountain bike or a charity walk yeah. or a race happening from one little village and using up and churning up the trails all around it Thank you very much for joining us, Adrian. I look forward to hearing part two of that next week, so stay tuned for that, everyone. Um, moving on to then some news. Now, we've got... Uh, we've got. Should we, just send, should we just bring the man himself in to tell us about his, uh, about his race? I was drinking his... I was thinking his fizzy beer. Carl and I, we're, we are quite big fans of uh, Windswept. We love their beer, mm-hmm. amongst other Northeast beers. But it is the fizziest beer... We yeah, it's like come across. Feature. You can't open it without exploding, and it's like, and I've had that problem. When it's been sat in the garage for like a month, maybe not a month, you know, two, three weeks, and uh, you grab it and it just explodes. So yeah, it's uh, a bit of a, a bit of oh, a. Yeah. Anyway, on the weekend we've got there is some racing going on. Maybe not. We can maybe have a bit of a bitch at the end about why there's no racing below top, top, top elite level. But um, Andy Butcher. Gucci was in Germany last week and uh, he was running at the World Indoor Tour event in Karlsruhe um, and he ran 7.40 uh, and 85, which gives him a, it's a PB for him and also it's an improvement on his own Scottish national record. So, shall we go for Bucci? We will. So, we, we just had a quick conversation with him. Uh, it only lasts 60 seconds. So, here's uh, your, your 60 second section for for. Bucci, so Bucci, how did things go then? Hey Kyle, um, thank you so much for sending me the, the kind words, um, appreciate it. Yeah, it's nice to run and get a race done. First one in 17 months, which is mad. Um, I mean, Scottish record and indoor PB, I'm not, can't, can't really complain. Um, I guess me and Barry, coach, knew that I was in decent shape. So it was just like a test to see where I was at, which is which is good. Um, nice to get the first one out of the way. Who knows what's next? Things keep changing every day. UK are getting banned. We're banning countries. So, yeah, <laughs> just like playing it from a day-to-day basis. Um, hopefully I can get another 3K indoor done, maybe a 15 done. And hopefully European indoors goes ahead. Fingers crossed. But, yeah, thank you so much for the kind words. And who knows when I'll... And um, can come back next in the podcast. It'd be good. Cheers, bro. What a lad! Thanks, thanks for joining us, Bucci. We always look. He's a, he is the, one of the most game athletes that we've we've come. With. He's always game for a podcast. Always game oh, for a bit of banter. So isn't he just what a, what a boy? 
Seven forty per. What's that for per kilometer then? Uh, like two and a half on that then. Almost what two thirty-two a kilometer? Is it? Oof, uh, what's that? Seven point three is two point three. What that three is? But yeah, that's 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 shifting. That is that's ridiculous. I know, like um, just just over four minute miles. Bloody hell! Uh, yeah, I'm I'm believing. So it's really it's amazing to see. It's uh, it's great to see he's in shape. Hopefully, the Olympics goes ahead because he's obviously really he's in, in in good shape. There was other Scottish athletes involved indoors over the weekend as well. There was some track action at the, the Emirates. Um, uh, there's the 4J Invitational uh, event, which um, we had Guy Lumuth and Neil Gurley in 800, with Guy winning in 146. Neil just behind him in 147.24. Um, and then in the 400, we had Sean Aitken, 48.14, and uh, Zoe Clark running 400 as well, 52.40. So quick good to see a bit of Zoe. It so, is, yeah. Another one who's... Time, uh, you know, an indoor... Run, uh, lockdown. So, the you know the lockdown training certainly helping her out, no doubt. And actually, sorry to jump around, but I've just noticed that um, I was looking at some power tensor stuff. Butchie's time puts him number two in the UK rankings for indoor as well with three k. And three k is a you know it's a that's reasonably a, well run. Yeah, yeah. That's the distance that's run on the track indoor every year, really. Um, that that's your standardised run. It's not a five k; it's a three k indoors. So that's an amazing run. Amazing, seven forty. You know, and what, his last run. When was his last race? It's a while ago now. It must so, be a while ago. Yeah. Here's let's just pray that the, the Olympics goes ahead because yeah, that is a oh, some athletes really coming to shape. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Um, you know what? Good to see some athletics coming back. Um, the bad news, I guess, moving continuing on the news, is that the National is a goner. So Scottish Athletics have announced this week that the National Cross will not be happening in any form this year, uh, which is really disappointing. Um, I know it's... I mean, I think I get the impression their hands are, are pretty tied, but it is just another blow to the sort of sub-elite uh, running scene, which has taken a hammering. And, you know, you know we, we said a lot of what well, support for Scottish Athletics last week, but on on the flip side, it is I I just feel that we're kind of we're maybe not getting as many race opportunities up here as we as we've seen in maybe the northwest of England, um, or as we've seen in uh, in in Ireland in Northern Ireland, for example. Um, and you look at Bucci's racing and going to an event in Germany, you know. So uh, I I kind of think that I don't know if there's a fear of do of being seen to be elite less you know, address the elephant in the room of being elitist, but I, I do think that I'm really, I'm really, it's a, it's a real shame that more is not being done at the, like a, a sort of club uh, elite level, because although these are not professional athletes at, at a club level, they are still competing for, you know, the, the Scottish vest, you know, they're, it's, I guess the nature of athletics is that there's, there's a very, very high standard that's not professional. And at the moment they seem to be not being catered for at all. So, um, I, I do, yeah, a hard one, isn't it? You know, it's a hard one. Of professional, and you, you see it, and and I suppose you, you we're having to adhere to government guidelines and things. So, you, you know, from a, a sporting context, your hands are almost somewhat tied, aren't they? Um, but in, interestingly, you know, when it comes to football, though, you know, your, your professional levels at from Highland League <laughs> to. Yeah. Third, second, first, 
Premier League, it's uh, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit back to front, isn't it? But yeah, exactly, and that's where it's just a bit. Um, um, I don't know, well, I, yeah. Hopefully, you know, the, the, there's there's a record high of vaccinations today, so you know we're onwards and upwards, and there's a lot there's a lot worse things happening in the world out uh, with sport, but um, and, and you know I think we're we're starting to hopefully see some light at the end of the tunnel, and we. We start to see races coming back later in the season, eh? Indeed. Indeed. Talking about so, races, uh, I've I've entered the the virtual hill race challenge um, this weekend, eh? So I'm, you I'm said that, yeah. Wasn't for this one. It's uh, so basically, I have to find a hill that's a maximum a hundred meters, and uh, I've got to run it for half an hour. And I've got it's the in fact I'll give you the I'll give you the rules here. So what is it? Yeah, you've got to use aim of the virtual hill running challenge is to climb as many vertical meters as possible in 30 minutes. Um, runners use a slope hill or steps in the local area and record their total vertical ascent and descent. The challenge can be completed like hill reps or as a hilly run. Plan on the run to have as much vertical ascent as possible in your local area. Most runners will live in a verbal, a verbal, an urban environment. So to reflect this, the maximum ascent for one climb should be approximately a hundred meters. And uh, yeah, so I think um, yeah, the, the 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 ascent and the descent has to be the same, approximately the same. So I'm looking forward to this one, Tommy. I'm looking forward to seeing how you go. And I'm I think knowing Douglas is I'm gonna to have to, you know, I need to find the science of of what the best gradient is for for running these sort of things. If I've got any chance of being anywhere close to them. <laughs> well, I, I I remember when you I remember how obsessive you were with route selection for the national the virtual 10k. So I can't wait to see what you come up with here. <laughs> it might it might be back to the sea because everything's covered in snow. You know, I'm gonna to have to speak to the the local not- authority and get the get the sea gritted. Eh? Would you not be better? I don't. I, maybe I didn't miss something in the rules there. Could you not wait till there's a, a wind from the east and then get a tailie up, uh, up the uh, the left. The left. I'll take it. Yeah. You know, run. Yeah, you get half an hour up there. You got to get tailwind. The left. It's closed. The cock bridge is closed from. Of course, yeah. The snow is. Yeah. I forgot about the snow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a shame. Or what about the? Or what about? Aye, there'll be snow on the. There'll be snow in Kernan as well. Aye. Yeah, aye. that'll be difficult. Actually, that'll be the challenge finding a road that's not the, the Suey's probably your best bet, actually. The Suey's my probably my best bet. Uh so I'll just go there and just crack on. I mean, you know, there's a lot to play for in these these virtual challenges, eh? So exactly. Stakes. That's what there is. Stakes are high. high. My reputation's so, on the line here. Exactly. Well, I mean, we were we were we neither you might get a master's prize. You might be, even if even if uh, Douglas is uh, you might have a shot at the first master. I've got a feeling Andy has the same de- de- uh, birthday as me, so I think he might actually be. Oh, he might actually be my age, or maybe he's a couple of years younger. I think he might be a couple of years younger. I would I would have Andy pegged as younger than that. Nah, he's, he's not Andy. Douglas is not Douglas. Surely not. More hair than me. <laughs> we'll, we can we can check that when the results come in. So yeah. if you're listeners, if you're running, let us know. Uh, yeah. Be cool to get a, a bit of a handle on that. Speaking of virtual races, kind of into results. Last bit of kind of news we've got is that the the big headline last week was the West beats the rest. 
in the Scottish Athletics Virtual Road yeah, Challenge. Yeah. So the yeah, so that's well, a fair play. Third, we were we were third. So yeah, oh. and actually there were some interesting ones like the yeah. you know we the there's a including a half marathon. I mean that is bonkers. You know, I do mean, you know what the, the standout for me was uh, Johnny Glenn twenty two forty something. Ben Johnson, yeah, unreal. What? I mean, again, talking about paces, that's uh, I think the you know, Scottish Athletics summed it up as that's a equivalent of a sub 29 10k. I mean, okay, he's still got to run another mile, but holy shit, like yeah, the boy's on, you know, he's absolutely flying right now. He that, give give Glenn Johnson a race for God's sake, exactly. Yeah, give him a virtual Scotland vest. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Oh, me well, uh, you know, it's some someone we need to get on, so if, Yes, we'd love to chat, Glenn. To if you him. listen, let us know. Yeah, because you know his, he is the, the silver medalist and you know the reigning silver med cross country silver medalist. Um, in your oh, world. absolutely. Uh, your man. Um, uh, oh God, God, this is really bad. What's his name? Jamie Crow. Jamie Crow. So it'd be great to have Johnny on, see what his plans are and how his training's developed in the last few months. Anyway, so uh, yeah, absolutely. So, well. Other than that, I mean, have we got anything else to, to, to ramble about? I think it's a bit of a that's a it's a bit of a, a bit of a slow week here. I mean, Adrian's going to keep you keep uh, keep the, the episode really full in terms of length. So keep the candle, keep the candle burning. Absolutely. So, listeners, hang in there. I know it's a. Uh, I think there's a. I, I occasionally go on the TRS Strava feed, and it looks to be uh, there's not. I think generally, I know a few people, a few mates of mine are training for marathons and stuff. It might happen in April, and I hope they do. But the rest, there's a real split. My motivation is really coming and going. And I'm hoping that I can get it kicked into shape again with this, uh, um, with this, what do you call it, this upcoming half marathon. But I need this bloody curfew to lift because there's nothing worse than, than just like thinking, I'll, I'll run when I get home. I'll try and squeeze in a run before work. And then you look up from your desk and it's like half past six. You're thinking, well, that's the curfew, 6 p.m. I can't go out now. So I need to start just getting my finger out and going out earlier in the morning. What's... Um... What was I going to say? Uh, what's what's the scoop with your? Um, what, oh God, I've completely lost track. What the hell am I trying to say here, Kyle? I'm too busy worrying about my igloo. Um, what are you what are you aiming for for this half? What are you what are you going to shoot for? You know, it's April's not Good that question. long. Period, is it? That's, what two months? Two two months of training. I I think yeah. I could probably get into seventy two minute shape. Good. So are we going for like get... daily or are we just going to, yeah, just keep... No, I mean, P- PB for me what would be 71.40. So I, I think that's a bit of a reach. I, I really, and I know ifs and buts and the re- results are, what's it, are what, what proves it. But in Antrim last year, I was in 70-minute shape. I'm sure of it. So I uh, I think we'll see. We'll see how it, how it comes together. And then I think I just want to just get some get a bit of racing in, in April, hopefully shape up for a decent run, uh, maybe a 10k or a half in May. And then I'll think about putting some marathon miles in for uh, the Paris Marathon in uh, oh, October. That's October, the plan. Eh? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Right away, the, right away the year already. <laughs> right, and actually, so we've got one more thing we want to give an update on. So the Tartan Shorts update, The that's I know that you, you are waiting for shorts. We are waiting for shorts. We really want to bring them to you as soon as possible uh, with furlough and all sorts that's going on. Um, with the distributor, it's it's not, it's a bit slower than we expected. So we're going to send an email out to to everyone soon just to give you an update. But the as soon as we have our hands on them, we will we will let you know. We're really 
hoping that we'll get them in time for some races returning. Um, they're, yeah, because it's, I think I know that there's a bunch of running clubs in similar situations with waiting to get kit orders in. So I'm, I'm really hoping that we can get something soon, but we're going to, we'll keep on the, on them weekly and, and we'll start giving an update on the podcast each week. And interest, so actually when we know them, people email us from an update, we know that you don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, what we can take from that. Brilliant. Well, other than that, thanks for the update. And yeah, um, we will speak to you guys later on. And I hope you have a really, really safe week. And uh, yeah, make sure that you get your, 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 your runs in where you can, when you can. And you'll hear us ramble on next week, no doubt. Bonsoir.